Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about longevity. I'm delighted to welcome back special guest Lynn Bowman. Lynn is a glam grandma and the author of Brownies for Breakfast. She is also the co-author of Deidre Hall's Kitchen Close-Up and Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It? You can reach Lynn at her website, lynnbowman.com, and I'll include a link in the description. Welcome, Lynn. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. I am super happy to be with you. You know that. This, this is so fun and interesting and exciting to me. Um, and I'm tickled to share with you and your pals. And I'm online. so grateful that you are. Lynn, when people see you, you look so good. You have to tell them how old you are because no one would ever guess. And when you tell them, they say things like, oh, I'll have what she's having. And you are so kind. You say, I'd be happy to share with you what I'm having and what I'm doing. And I love that. And that is basically the topic, wasn't it, with your book on how does she do it? Yes, exactly. Uh, And uh, it was so fun to do that book. And uh, a lot of the fun was, of course, Deidre is, has been on uh, Days of Our Lives since time began. <laughs> you know, we never imagined back in the day. I, uh, she was about 19 when I met her, and I was maybe 21. Uh, and we were both over our head and crazy and, you know, didn't know what we were doing. Uh, but the last thing in the world either one of us guessed was that we would still be out here doing this stuff when we were this age. And of course, there were plenty of people around to tell her that it wasn't even possible that you, you know, sorry. And because she started her career as that pretty blonde, you know, which when you think about it, it, where's the future in that? (laughs) Right, because the years, they happen. Birthdays happen whether we ask for them or not. It, it just yeah. kind of, the, the, the earth keeps going around the sun. We just keep doing that sort of thing. And it is, I, I mean, we, we work with it. We work with it. And the expectations of what uh, aging and what getting old are, you just rock that world. And I love when you said, I think I'm going to make old new, make it new again. <laughs> Because there are expectations and people think of getting old and aging as a negative. And you absolutely refuse that. I do. And plus, I will admit to being cranky in the sense that I've grown up, come of age at a time when, I mean, when Deidre and I were in our 20s, 30s, if you were female, it was just all about how you looked. That was it all about how you looked. Uh, Things were so different. I graduated from high school in 1964. And there were, you know, the big colleges, the Ivy Leagues couldn't get in because they weren't co-ed. The, the, right, people forget. I mean, you could say on one hand, you're that old. (laughs) (laughs) And I would say yes, but also it wasn't that long ago. This is recent history, depending on how you look at it. Um, and you know, the help wanted ads, the way we got jobs back in the day was that help wanted men and help wanted women and never the two should meet. Uh, and that comes as a surprise to y'all youngins. Um, but that's the way it was. So, um, I sort of 
accidentally started reaching across that that aisle because the things that I knew how to do and wanted to do and wanted to learn were not necessarily girl things. Um, so I sort of snuck in the back door in some ways and and uh, got the behind-the-camera stuff going for myself. And Deidre, of course, had her career in front of the camera. And, and she's been brilliant at it. And she has outlasted. I mean, that's the best revenge, right? Is just be the last one standing, <laughs> right? When yes. everyone else is, you know, dead, killed over, whatever, you're still there. So when we wrote this book together, the, the one that you mentioned, uh, Deidre, Deidre Hall's How Does She Do It? We, it, we kind of had a different take maybe on beauty. It was pretty frank. And it talked a lot about how beauty comes from the way you stand and the way you move and the way you think and the way you are. It isn't necessarily a thing that you paint on, you know, or, or have your highlights do a certain way. Uh, you know, there's a certain amount of that technique. Always happy to share some of that. But beauty, as most of us, I think, understand, in our children, in our elders, in our loved ones, it's who you are. It's inside out. Uh, so that book was fun to do. And I think it was a little unexpected for someone like her. Oh, I love that you know? for so many reasons. I love yeah. that you go deeper and that it's not just the superficial beauty where you say, well, if we need to look this way in order to be accepted, especially you talked about the back of the camera and the front of the camera, and it's hard to be in the front of the camera and not look necessarily the way that everyone expects things to be. And I think it takes courage for those who are kind of changing the molds a little bit. And then that there's more to it than just that, that paint. And we have to bring up this because now that I am, you know, my age, granny, I am mystified and kind of put off at how schlubby everybody looks. If you look at old footage from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and I am not saying that those were great times and I want to go back to those times. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is people made an effort to look good. They Mm -hmm. made an effort to groom themselves. They made an effort to put something on when they were going out, when they were in the street, when they were going to a store or a restaurant. They made an effort to appear groomed and prepared. And that's over. Not for everyone, but it is for a lot of people where it's just that you just, nothing matters. Things doesn't matter. You can go and do whatever. But here's something that you know that probably not everyone does is that the way that you feel that when you feel like you look good and you feel like you're, you know, you're clean and you're presenting yourself well, it influences the way that you feel emotionally and mentally that it helps us to be happier. But it influences how everybody sees you (laughs) and you can't pretend that nobody sees you. Everybody does. And everybody is making judgments of all kinds because we're humans and that's what we do. We're going, okay, are they serious? Are they fun? Are they healthy? Are they this, that? Do they know what they're doing? I mean, a million judgments go on when you are introduced to someone, when you see someone on the street, when you are in a restaurant. I mean, that's what we do as humans. And so I am absolutely 
blown away. And of course, COVID came along and I spent two years in the same hoodie too. I did with everybody else. (laughs) And the whole time thinking, whoa, this is cool, right? Just like I get to sleep in this and then I get up in it and and it's all good. You know, I could even work out in this and it's a, and here I am today in my workout clothes, um, which are very comfortable, but kind of semi-chic, right? A little bit. But I, I am continually blown away by this idea now among so many that it doesn't matter what you look like. And we're not talking about being pretty or handsome. We're talking about presenting yourself to the world as somebody, as, as attractive. And attractive, the word means I, I want to attract people. You know, I, I want to attract people in a, in a positive way. Um, it, it's just, it was so much a part of life in the 60s, 70s. And then I'm not sure when it went downhill. But if you sit on a street corner anywhere and just watch people, if you're lucky enough to have a street corner that's sitable, that's a whole other subject. Um, and you just watch people drive by or walk by, I mean, you know, it's, folks, it's not happening, right? Right. It's just not happening. So what, do you think about that? Do you see that, Linda? Or do you, is that a thing? And it depends on where I am. So like, like, for example, it depends on what store you're shopping at. Like if you're at a Costco, you see people dress different than you do maybe at Walmart on Friday night, kind of a, kind of a thing. So it depends on where people are going, if that makes sense. But I agree. And I love that you're in a spot where you can say, guys, this is what I'm seeing and it doesn't look good because a lot of times people do what they see other people are doing and don't realize that it has any that it matters, that their actions matter, that the way that they dress, the way that they present themselves, that it matters. And so it's helpful to be able to have a voice that says, okay, this matters. And this is why it matters. It matters because I think when we're talking about being maybe authentic ourselves, making the inside match the outside, don't judge me, don't whatever. And it, and that becomes the statement. Um, I don't think it's very helpful. I think if we want the inside to match the outside, I love the description of attractive is I want to be someone who attracts good people, that good people want to be around me and that I'm not by my, by my appearance or by my behavior or my words, uh, repelling people, pushing them away. Right. I have an online friend whose name I'll mention. His name is Percy Hicks. And um, I started seeing his Instagram posts and thinking, wow, because he was just so gorgeous. His, and not that he was expensively done up, but every outfit, and I think he is a model too, but everything that he wore was just like, whoa, you nailed it. Wow. And, and all of a sudden I went, you know, because I'm not seeing men who have beautifully groomed beards, beautifully cut hair, you know, his clothes fit, right? His, it actually fits. And he always looked great. And I got in touch with him and we started talking. And it turns out that he has a group of guys who mentor younger men in Brooklyn, particularly black younger men 
teaching them how to dress for success, teaching them how to look like someone you want to do business with, like someone you want to hire. Uh, and, and seeing these young men blossom, glow, because they learn how to appear to the world the way they want to be. And I, I know, I'm a granny, but I just love that. I think that is the most wonderful thing to do with young people. Because who's doing that? Who is doing that anymore? Um, I, I think it's much needed. And so, Percy, if you're listening, good for you. Um, I want to team up with you, too, like Linda and I team up, um, because this is good stuff to be out there doing. It is very good stuff. And I believe the way that we, we often, without meaning to, we tell people how we want to be treated. And I love as you're talking about uh, teaching these young men how to be treated with respect, how to get hired for that job. And it has to do with um, the way, again, the way that we dress, the way that we present ourselves. It says, this is how I'd like you to treat me. That's and exactly it. Wonderful that that, that is have? exactly it. Yeah. The way you dress, the way you groom, the way you present yourself is telegraphing to the world how you want to be treated. And so I would pay attention. <laughs> I mean, you know, how can you whine about how you're treated if you don't make some sort of an attempt to let people know how you want to be treated? And it's not about the money you spend on your stuff. You know, it's how you put it together and how you think about it. And thrifting, I love this in the young ones. You know, it's, it's, it's much more chic now to do your dressing in thrift shops. Um, why not recycle, uh, reuse? It it's, makes so much sense, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I think it's fun. Yeah. So this yeah. is good stuff. I love. So some of the things as I'm trying to recap what we've covered so far is one is that our beauty is more than skin deep, that it has to do with who we are, truly who we are. And then the next step is part of our appearance. And that is choosing how we present ourselves. And so these are some very good, important tips. And I appreciate that so much. Now, right now, you're also working on a collab with Dr. Selma Rashid of the Anti-Aging Medical Group. And you've been just fascinated about what they're doing in this whole field. Do you want to tell us some of the things that you've been studying and learning from her? Yes, I am a huge supporter and an early reader and editor and sticking my nose in it in every way I can because I am fascinated. This is... um, This is something, the more women I talk to, we are all going, what, what, (laughs) you know, tell me more because none of us seem to have the scoop on this. So yeah, definitely working on the whole hormone thing with Selma, Dr. Rashid, uh, we are putzing along on it and talking about doing a workshop to you know, have, have some women come together on the subject, probably film some of that for everybody. Uh, we will be doing YouTubes, hopefully, um, if, if I don't die first, because I'm so old. Um, <laughs> but 
I, I always have to couch everything like that, right? Uh, and, and, and that's the thing, Linda. Every time I say old, people go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, old. It's good. There's nothing wrong with being old. It's wonderful. It's a privilege. Right. When we think of the word old, we're thinking about the way that we feel and that we uh, don't feel well, and we're not able to do the things that we were able to do before. And that is what makes it uh, a negative thing. But just the, the time passing isn't a bad thing. In fact, it's what makes us more rich, more deep, more have more to share. And so it's, it's a good thing. I guess what I'm trying to do is make old new. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the main thing that, that I realized in my first discussions with Dr. Selma, I'll call her, was how women particularly have received this mixed message about hormones. And most of it is negative. Uh, and we kind of all have this vague idea. And, and I've, of course, now driven all my friends nuts, polling all of them about what they know and what they've been prescribed and what they're taking or not taking and so on. And so I'm, I'm getting a, an informal kind of um, research project going here. But most women respond with, yeah, no, um, hormones, it's, it's very iffy. And what Selma has explained to me in great detail at length, I mean, I'm trying to keep up with her, but, um, it's all it, it it's it's been this mixed bag where the research so much as often is the case depends on who did the research and why mm. and who was selling what and therefore paid for the research and all of the money and um also i'll just throw a little sexism here you know most of it was men researching women for men i mean it what it, it was there's always that angle in medicine, less so now, because thank goodness we're graduating more women from medical school than men, I think now. Um, but there was a time when there was no research done on women. You know, this is true. Very few studies even inclu included women. And so now when you come to the subject of uh, estrogen, for example, uh, now we're studying women, but we're not necessarily doing it in the way that women should be studied. So um, all of that technique is fascinating. And the takeaway is that, and, and here's, here's where I come in. I'm, I'm 76. I am long past menopause. Thank goodness. That's great. That's a good thing about getting older. Uh, another tip here. Um, <laughs> it's, it gets better, ladies. It gets way better. Uh, at most of the information about hormones and the prescriptions for hormones for women are about menopausal symptoms. Mm. It's that's when women get crazy and run to their doctors and say, I'm having hot flashes and I'm this and I'm that. And Oh my gosh, what's happening to me. And so sometimes they have been prescribed different types of hormone protocols. Well, what I didn't know and where I got my eyes widened was if you apply a hormone, a hormone protocol uh, to older women, you can rebuild bone 
and muscle. Ooh, that's useful. Have I intrigued you now? Yeah. And of course, here I am at the gym, right? Doing all this stuff and trying hard to keep whatever I got still working and still going. And at the same time, I'm kind of terrified to go out and ride horses again. I miss it. I love them dearly. But women my age, the common knowledge is, honey, you break a bone, you're done. You know, you have a fall, it's over for you. Uh, Because we all have this degenerative osteoporosis, this bone loss that happens over years because of loss of hormones. And, um, and I, and I'm using my kind of straightforward lay person language here. I'm not using medical language, but when Selma said to me, oh yeah, no, you can, you can rebuild bone. You can, you know, your smooth muscles, your outer, all of that will be improved with the right kind of hormone protocol. So as you can imagine, That was all it took for me to go, okay, sign me up for this project. I not only want to do it, know everything about it, but I want to tell everybody about it because women don't know this. Right. And we we have this huge cohort now of boomer women, starting with me, born in 1946, so the first year. Well, behind me, stadiums full of women who, like me, are younger than their mothers were at this age and their grandmothers and who want to stay active or out there running marathons and, you know, snowboarding and riding bicycles and all these things. And, and we're all going, wait, I, I feel pretty good. I want to do stuff, but, but is it okay because of my age? Can I still do this stuff? Can I still have an active sex life? You know, are these things possible physically for women in their 70s, 80s, 90s? And so, I mean, I'm I'm going to check back with you when I'm 105. You know? <laughs> we'll so, put I that mean, on the schedule. I think it's important <laughs> to be thinking in these terms because now we can. And from our previous discussion, I'm ranting about if you stop eating sugar, You'll keep your brain in good shape, you know, but you have to stop eating sugar so that we don't have to talk about your, your brain degeneration. Um, But here's another thing now that's so powerful that we don't know enough about. And so, um, and of course, like I said, I've been all over doing as much research as fast as I could, because as is true with a lot of other things, you're hearing a lot of BS online. I mean, Everybody has a show about hormones and stuff, but sorting through to the peer-reviewed science on this is a challenge, and um, and I want to help you do it. And Selma's all signed up, to, and uh, she she's a little younger than me, but she's a grandma. And she looks great. <laughs> She's cool. And uh, and I think y- you need to hear from older women about what the science is and where we're going with it. Um, and we're not doing it 
for men, particularly, you know, we're not doing it necessarily to look great. We're doing it because we don't want our bones to break. That's pretty good incentive. We want to keep our muscle so that we can stand up straight, so that we can do the activities that we want to do. So not only is there the whole field about menopausal symptoms that needs fixing, but what happens after menopause? That's what you're not hearing about. You know, what about life after menopause? Um, And it just wasn't that much of a thing before. But now that we have all these billions of boomer women, right, coming along, there is kind of a, a wave of interest in it. And, and I think we're going to learn some things. And I, I think that the, the um, prognosis, let's say, for the last 50 years of your life um, or 75 is going to be great. Um, because if you're, if you're eating well and moving and doing all the things we've already talked about to keep yourself in, in good health and avoid degenerative disease and, and chronic disease, the next step is how about some hormones? So how about a good, and also these are not pills that you take. Um, the, the kind of hormones that we're talking about have to be topically applied. And they have to be applied in an, in a protocol that involves a monthly cycle to imitate your, and they're bioidentical hormones that, that imitate your natural body rhythms. So it's a, it's a whole, it's a different kind of thing. And it might sound a little complicated, but uh, it works. And I'm glad you brought up the bioidentical. When I was checking out Dr. Selma's website, Part of the thing that I noticed is she's talking about hormones and the use of it, which has been controversial. Yes. She made a very important distinction. She said that the research on the, the issues that have been negative were synthetic hormones. Yeah. And, and what she's mouth. working with is these um, bioidentical, yes. that it is uh, replacing something that our bodies are used to produce, but, but doesn't produce anymore. And so that was a huge distinction. So thank you for bringing that up. Right. And, and Premarin was one of the, you know, which was controversial because it was taken from pregnant mares and um, there was a lot of animal abuse involved in it as well. And people kind of got a bad feeling about it. Um, but yeah, it's, these are manufactured in a different way. Uh, compounded in a different way and applied in a different way. And also when you take medications by mouth, it's a whole different ballgame because your liver gets involved and your kidney gets involved and things happen internally that change the medication. Um, Whereas in the case of these um, topically applied hormones, your body receives them, which also brings up the subject of, as women, We've been slathering stuff on our skin our whole lives, right? I mean, from the time where, I don't know, kids putting on sunscreen and then putting on creams and lotions and tanning things and so on. And it never really, I think, got through to us that everything you put on your skin goes into your body. Mm. No, I don't think we think about that at all. 
No, no. So uh, that's a big lesson for all of us. Uh, we're very casual about makeup and creams and all these things. And your your body and I've been fascinated um, doing this protocol with Selma, where you actually you you rub and it's two different compounds and you you rub one on your hands. And, it, and you look at it and you go, that is never going to soak in. It's just, what's going to happen with this? And you have to rub it and it gets oily. And then 10 minutes later, it's all gone. You go, where did it go? How does that even happen? Right? Because we just don't think of our skin as being this. We think of it as keeping stuff out. Which it does. Which it kind of does. But it also takes stuff in true and that's the part that we really don't think about so fascinating to me and uh and i'll keep you posted so you're More using time. you're using her products you're using absolutely her yeah and what have you noticed what diff things have you noticed changes or improvements or whatever my skin uh to start with um it, it just it i mean never occurred to me that putting the hormones of youth on your skin would make your skin look more youthful. But when you think about it, oh, <laughs> right, that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, so there's that. Um, it, I definitely have sensitivity where I didn't have sensitivity, uh, which, and I'll leave that to your imagination. But um, you definitely, you know that your body has received this message, has received this medication and is going, oh, uh-huh. Wow, we haven't, we haven't been feeling like that since we were in our 40s. Um, so it, it's powerful. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's, Selma said that you need three or four months into it to really judge how it's working for you. So I'm, I'm only two months in on this. Okay. Um, and of course, like I said, just madly reading and listening, getting all the information, but uh, I, I can't help but offer myself up as uh, a subject for these experiments on these things that we talk about, whether it's food items or uh, whatever, because who else do I have? <laughs> well, I, you know, I grab my girlfriends once in a while. It depends on, on uh, what it is. But it was so interesting to me that the minute I mentioned this to any, and obviously I have a bunch of pals who are most of them younger than me, but my age, a little older, in their 40s, many, 50s. But the minute I mentioned it, I, I had people walking up to me going, I heard you were talking about hormones. <laughs> I mean, who isn't interested if, if, if you're female and you've got this going on either perimenopause or menopause or recovering from menopause, it takes your, it takes life over a bit. I mean, it, it really is overwhelming in many ways. Um, and we don't know that much about it, really. I'm I mean, glad some research you, know, you can read done. the textbooks and so on. But uh, as I've said, uh, ad nauseum, 
it's men who've been studying this in the past. It's not women. And so now that we have a bunch of smart women on the case, we'll learn some stuff about our hormones. That's very awesome. Is there anything you want to make sure we cover before we close today? But um, I got this the sweetest birthday card in, in March from my granddaughter. She I should be waving it around. It's across the room. But she drew a picture of a whale on it for me because we had talked about how grandma whales teach their grandbaby whales how to hunt and how to sing and where to go. And, um, and then she, she made a picture of a baby whale next to the grandma whale. And I thought, okay, you know, some people want Oscars, right? Some people want Nobel prizes. I got a mama and a grandma and a baby whale on a card. Oh, tender. So that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm all about being a whale, a grandma whale. And teaching not only the next generation, but the following generation. Right. Uh, how to sing and how to hunt. I like that. That's yeah. awesome. Which, you know, foraging is hunting, by the way. Uh, but yeah, foraging is a, a thing more now. Uh, I'm so happy to see uh, people rediscovering what you can find when you just walk outside and start looking in the grass <laughs> for stuff. There's cool stuff out there. Um, it's an interesting world we're living in. And of course, I think we talked about the trees and the grandma trees and the and the life under the trees. No, we, Did we didn't. So we tell didn't. me about the grandma trees. Well, um, also, women scientists lately have come up with some fascinating new knowledge. It's old knowledge, but it's new to the scientific community, I think, um, where trees, particularly, I live in the red, right at the edge of the redwood forest, and there are hub trees, also called grandma trees, who are the old central trees who send out information to all the other trees. That information can be warnings. It can be about food. It can be about weather. It can be all kinds of things. And, and they have a network under the dirt built from fungi. So they use fungi to communicate with their family of trees. Did you know this? I didn't until I watched a documentary on it. And so you when go. you were talking you about how there, this tree is talking to that one, I thought, yes. oh, yeah. I wonder if they're doing it through the fungi because that's the yeah. thing. And yeah. yeah, that was fascinating. Fascinating. And there is a bunch of stuff coming out. And then they also know now that in the upper story, there's this whole life going on. And, and as much as two or three inches of dirt on these branches in many cases, so they're, they're growing things up in the branches, other plants, not just the tree, but they have mini forests of other plants up in this upper story. Isn't that Who cool? Knew? Isn't that just mine? Like, to me it is because, I mean, I'm looking at these trees a lot and I love them dearly and we want them to hang around. Oh, absolutely. And isn't it beautiful that they can communicate and they can share their wisdom and they can share I, I just, I, it just, 
kind of blows my mind that trees can do that, but I love it. And that's what we're doing as we're talking (laughs) together and sharing information and spreading it out. And we're not using uh, fungi to do it. We're using, you know, radio waves and that sort of thing. Although they may be listening, Linda. We don't know. That's true. They could be. They could be. Well, Lynn, thank you so much for visiting with me today. Anytime. So much fun. Love seeing you. Love talking to you. Uh, Let me know. Love it too. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Dr. Selma Rashid. She said, why should we accept the symptoms of aging and allow our health to degenerate when medical science has discovered so much information on how we can remain at our best? Today, I invite you to be your best self at any age. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.